0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere
1: audiobooks are sold. Some of us are really brutal with ourselves, too brutal. And some of us, of course, are too brutal with other people and not brutal enough with ourselves. But what we need is to practice the habits that Jesus embodies and tells us to practice. And that is to recognize that we are sinful and that we're not going to be perfect in this world. No church is towed and no church is totally toxic. We have a mixture.
0: Welcome to the Transforming Discipleship Podcast, brought to you by smallgroups.com, a podcast designed for church leaders desiring to make disciples for Jesus Christ in the world. I'm your host, Oliver Hersey, and today we are going to get to spend some time with the Reverend Dr. Scott McKnight to talk to him about toxic cultures, truth-telling, and Tove discipleship. Dr. McKnight has written many books, but definitely not limited to the Jesus Creed, the Blue Parakeet, and most recently, one that he co wrote with his daughter, Laura Beringer, titled A Church Called Tove, forming a goodness culture that resists abuses of power and promotes healing. Scott, thanks for taking the time to join us on the podcast. We know you're very passionate about discipleship, and I know I've personally benefited from your work. I'm really looking forward to talking with you today about this latest book. I think it's very important for leaders. How are you doing today? Very good. It's
1: winter here in Chicagoland, and uh, I'm looking forward to spring, Easter, and the resurrection. We're doing well. The pandemic is getting on everybody's nerves, and we just have to learn to live with the world we've
0: got right now i hear you and i can't tell you how much i'm looking forward to spring too i think anybody who lives in the the deep north and midwest and east of the united states or even canada we're looking forward to spring right about now and spring for some of (laughs) us isn't isn't for months away as we're as we're entering into lent here soon um we're actually for those of you listening to this you'll be in lent so yeah, it's it's a little ways away. Well, we're really glad you're you're willing to be on this podcast today. We're excited I'm excited about the conversation that we're gonna have about toxic cultures and telling the truth. And I know there's probably some listening right now, Scott, who have not encountered your book yet, A Church Called Tove. And it's a great book. I've I've loved reading it. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind just taking a couple minutes here just to give us a brief overview of what this book is about.
1: The book arose because of situations that we were noticing in churches that were toxic and we um my daughter and i yeah that's one of the things i loved scott is that
0: your daughter was part of the writing process and she wrote much of it i don't i don't think you've done that before i mean i not that i know of to be honest i couldn't even tell sometimes
1: who was writing and who wasn't well that's that's the truth because we wrote it together but i would never have written this book had it not been for Laura. Pushing and asking questions because she was at Willow Creek at the time, and many of her friends were supportive of Willow Creek and believed that the women were telling lies. And other people that she knew at Willow Creek were completely convinced that the women were telling the truth. And she was getting stuck with her husband. They were getting stuck in conversations, thinking, No, that's not what happened. We need to say this these women are telling the truth. We need to. So she would come back and forth with me. And eventually we came to some agreements on some things and it led to uh, approaching a publisher to see if they'd be interested in publishing the book. And we wrote it together. So this book, I mean, A
0: Church Called Tove, the first part you open up, you talk about, you can describe toxic cultures and you use the Willow Creek example. And then the whole second
1: half of the book, what do you, I mean, tell us what you talk about. This is not an expose book. There is some expose in it. There are a couple stories here that nobody has ever heard before. But by and large, these are stories that are out there in the public. Our goal was to present what the church has learned about some of these major churches or big churches, mega churches, and these mega leaders from Willow Creek and Harvest Bible Chapel, the Southern Baptist Churches, the Roman Catholic Church, Sovereign Grace. We, We learned a lot about these. Uh, situations, but we didn't want to spend our time exposing them. They had all been exposed. Instead, I kept saying what we need to talk about is what a solution to them is. But even more important, I became convinced, and Laura and I had lots of conversations about this, that it was about culture in churches mm. and that a one kind of culture Props up, supports, defends in sometimes very strong ways bad behavior by leaders in churches because loyalty to the church is more important than anything else. Other churches recognize these things. Well, um, in talking about this, I landed on the word uh, that we need churches that have goodness cultures. Mm. And I discovered, Oliver, that leaders and friends and students, lay people, readers of my blog and books wrote to me and said, I love this idea about goodness. Where can we find more about goodness? Well, this is an odd thing, is that I did not find much literature on this. Hmm. And I looked at even books on morality, Christian morality, don't have a lot about goodness. There are some philosophical books. I saw one book on goodness by a philosopher that cost one hundred and fifty dollars, and I thought, "What in the world?" <laughs> um, but even then, what I discovered is this: the Old Testament word is "tov." Yeah, and I call it often a master moral category of the Old Testament. It occurs all the time. Tov and ra, good yeah. and evil. You speak in my language, Scott. I like it. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm going to the New Testament now. It's where I feel more comfortable. <laughs> what I find is that Jesus wants us to do good. Yeah. That Jesus is characterized by doing good. Yeah. And that, But that the Apostle Paul tells us that there is none good, no not one. So how, how can we do good and be good and not be good? Well, the Bible wants us to realize that we don't do good on our own we are not good on our own, we are sinful, but that God is good, that God has designed the world as Tov and he wants his people to live as Tov and that through the Spirit, through God's grace, by listening to Jesus and gazing upon his face, we can be filled with the Spirit and one of the fruits of the Spirit is Tov, is goodness. So I found that this was a way of putting together the kind of culture that we need in churches. We need to nurture habits that will produce a culture of goodness. And here's here's a big point, Oliver. Churches that are tove, that have a tove culture will immediately recognize let's say toxic church cultures, toxic behaviors, and they will resist them. In fact, a really good tove church culture isn't tempted with toxicity because it's learned the habits of Tov. And so what I wanted to emphasize is we need to focus on habits of Tov. You know, we developed seven of these habits. The ultimate one is Christ-likeness. In those, you know, you know this from your studies of the, of the Old Testament, that Tov is constantly compared or contrasted with encountering Ra, or evil. Yeah, the knowledge of good and evil, the you know, do good and resist and don't do uh, raw. So what I notice is that people who do toe have habits that resist raw or resist toxicity and evil in their culture. So we focused on forming cultures that would lead to toe. That was the that's the heartbeat of the book. The you know. It's really even not even half the book is about the problems. The book is about one third, a little bit of expose with some goodness in it. The second part of the book really develops these categories of of tobe in in people's lives and in church cultures. Which I really
0: appreciate. I just think it's that's what makes it so helpful. That's what makes it a great roadmap of how to move forward. And, you know, as I'm thinking about this, this as I've given this episode some prayer and some thought, well, you and I have had a conversation about it. You know, the, the same thing keeps coming to mind here is, you know, we're in Lent, and Lent is a special season for me as, as it's been part of my own, you know, journey of following Jesus. Lent is this time of 40 days of reflection, 40 days of giving things up, 40 days of allowing yourself to be in the presence of the Lord to do some work. And I thought, you know, this is a fitting this is a fitting topic, I think, for those in Lent, that do observe it in some degree or another. You know, and, and well, maybe you can help us do this. You know, you've talked about culture, you've talked about how there's some toxic things in culture that we we have around us in, in our churches. You know, I'd like all of our ministry leaders for a minute, those listening, pastors, small group leaders, what does your ministry look like right now? Maybe, Scott, you could just help us think about What are toxic cultures going to have? I'm thinking about the small group, the Celebrate Recovery group, Alpha, the Elder Board. You know, what might I notice in a toxic culture, a culture that has, that's on the verge of moving towards deeper toxicity? Like, you know, give me some things I might want to pay attention to.
1: I don't think there's any one thing you say. This this proves it's toxic because there's no culture that, well, other than Babylon, I guess, there isn't any culture that is all toxic. And there isn't any culture that's all towed until New Jerusalem, you know. That's so yeah. important what you just said. I love that. We're going to have some mixtures. But here are some things I think we should, we should pay attention to. If the leaders, if people in the group lack empathy for people in pain, for people's weaknesses, for people's failures, Uh, You know, my wife is a psychologist, and I think your wife is too. Uh, My wife has um, an instinctive empathy for people who are in pain. And she comes out fighting for them. And she'll fight for people who don't have empathy, or against people who don't have empathy. So uh, a narcissist has no empathy for other people. If there is, let's say, at, at your workplace, you have to get rid of someone, The narcissist does not give a rip. The Tove person feels the pain of that person. And maybe Tove people hang on to people too long. Mm. That's a Christian problem. That's a good problem to have. If you are afraid of telling someone something, if you are afraid of suggesting something, if you are afraid of saying, you know, I, I don't think what we did there was right, I don't think it was biblical, and you even have a couple Bible verses for it, and and yet you're afraid to bring it up, so afraid that you don't even bring it up, you live in that ambivalence, we got a sign of toxicity going on. When uh, you fear that they will use their power to humiliate you, or to insult you, to call you names, to ruin your reputation, toxicity is involved. When... The organization, when the church, when the group, when the reputation is more important than the person, we have toxicity. These are some things that I think are really good signs. One of my favorite ones, I should say, it's not favorite, but I think it's accurate, is spinning stories. How do people tell stories of something that happened? Do they tell the story in a, truth, in a truthful way, or do they spin it so that their group or that person looks really good? Well, this is a sign of toxicity. When we are spinning stories for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of a church, for the sake of some Christian business or group, we are not living in the truth. And this is Lent. Wow. During Lent, if there's any discipline that we need to develop. It is the discipline of telling the truth about ourselves, telling the truth about our nation, confessing our sins, receiving the grace of God in the forgiveness of sins. If we are unwilling to face our own truth, we probably are going to be formers and nurturers of a toxic culture that is unwilling to face the truth. Think about it this way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is on the path of truth, and truth is what brings us life. Truth brings freedom. And Lent is a great time for us to develop disciplines of turning the the grace of Scripture and its light on our own darknesses and let the light expose the truth of the darkness.
0: Absolutely. I imagine everybody right now is scribbling notes right now or soaking this in because what you just said is is so helpful to get us to reflect and assess what is going on around us in our own lives and our ministries. And I think about as you're talking, you know, you you brought up the truth component, the telling the truth, taking a truthful look at ourselves and our ministries around us. And that's one of the characteristics of a Tove church that you and Laura point out. And, uh, and I think to myself, it's a lot easier for me, Scott, I'll be honest, to walk away from that, to ignore it, to pretend it doesn't exist, to fabricate or spin a false narrative as you, as you just pointed out. It's a lot easier to do those things, a lot harder for me to take a look at the truth and to tell the truth. And so I'm curious what you would say to us. How do we go about being community of people, being people who are truth tellers and addressing these toxic issues? In a truthful and honest way, big or small, maybe it's a, it's a smaller issue of a person being um, ostracized or minimized. I don't know if we could ever rank these, but but mm-hmm. I think of some of the darker things, like sexual abuse or misconduct. I mean, there's just such a wide array of toxic behavior we can encounter in church culture. You know, what do you, what do I do when I see that? How do I address these toxic issues when they surface, so that I can be somebody, Scott, who's pursuing tove in my community. This
1: is the heart of the issue, Oliver, and this is the heart of discipleship, and I would put it this way, is that if we don't have a culture that longs for truth, we are probably going to be in a position where telling the truth is very difficult. We might be in a culture that makes telling the truth about ourselves exclusively a private thing. So I, I want to emphasize the significance of culture here. Uh, David Brooks makes the great statement that we should never underestimate the significance of an environment, uh, work environment, working in, a, in a, an environment to make us the sort of people who fit in that environment. Hmm. So I, I want to emphasize culture here. Uh, the the other thing is I think we have to practice personal truth-telling to ourselves. Some of us are really brutal with ourselves, too brutal. And some of us, of course, are too brutal with other people and not brutal enough with ourselves. But what we need is to practice the habits that Jesus embodies and tells us to practice. And that is to recognize that we are sinful and that we're not going to be perfect in this world. No church is towed and no church is totally toxic. We have a mixture and we have to recognize that we need to learn to tell the truth about ourselves. Then I think in our families and then get a little bit larger with our closest friends. I have colleagues that I work with that I can talk to pretty candidly about myself and about, uh, about them and we can share with one another. We need safe environments where we can talk about these things. And no, it's not going to go in 10 minutes on Twitter. We need to have small groups that emphasize safety so that people can learn to tell the truth. This isn't going to happen because the leader says, okay, we're going to be totally honest with ourselves in this group. You know, it takes time to form a culture that's safe enough for us to tell our truths with one another. We can't demand that. And then I think, you know, leaders in churches need to practice toad with themselves, practice toad with others, and receive truths from others, and you will find out how toxic the church is if, if the leader has someone who comes to him and says, you know, what you just said about African Americans in that sermon was such a horrible stereotype. I, I want to know how that leader responded. Did they defend themselves? I saw this happen maybe 10 years ago when someone wrote a book that was really a terrible stereotype. And a friend of mine exposed it. Of course, you know, this is how it happens today on the internet. I think it was on Facebook. And that leader, that author, that pastor came out swinging and lost that pastor hurt his reputation. But what I saw was an unwillingness to say, you know, I need to learn here. Yeah. I'm wrong. And we need to develop cultures where this is safe to say. And uh, Oliver, I want to tell you, there there aren't enough churches like this. Uh, there are probably more churches like this than we know, but they're not well known. We have too many churches that instead of telling the truth, will propagate false narratives. They will pounce on people who tell the truth. They will threaten people. They will gaslight people. They will suppress those, they will silence those voices. They will spin the story in such a way. I I have a friend who uh, was in a church situation and the leader said, if you say this again, we will work at ruining your reputation. Mm, What the person was saying was true. It was honest. But they couldn't, the leaders couldn't handle the truth being told. What kind of church is it if it will not follow the way, the truth, and the life? It's not the church. It's a mocking of the church to believe that the gospel is for people to tell the truth of their own sinfulness to God but then refuse to tell the truth of their lives as it goes along. That's, that's a mockery of the very essence of the gospels call for us to learn to tell the truth about ourselves.
0: There's a movie, there's a famous line, you can't handle the truth. And I, that's the thought, the line that comes through my head of, of what you're saying. I think a lot of people, it's hard for them to handle the truth. You know, You've given us so much to, to digest here. I wanna I wanna keep drawing it out of you. So I'm just gonna ask you some real quick follow-up questions. They're rapid fire, so I'm just I'm not even gonna say anything after. I'm just gonna ask you the next question. We just wanna get as much out of you as possible. You ready for this? Yes, let's We've go. We've never done this on the podcast before, so this is the first time for our listeners to to engage this. It might work, it might not. We'll see. So just give me whatever whatever thought or word, you know, the spirit puts on your mind or heart, you know, just give it to us. So Finish this sentence. When I am a truth teller, I tell the truth with...
1: God, my spouse, my family, my close associates, my friends, and then into the church.
0: And then finish this one for me. When I tell the truth, I should tell it
1: with... Well, whoever is implicated in in a good sense, whoever is involved in the need for that truth to be told.
0: What's at stake when I don't face and relay the truth or I'm unwilling to?
1: We fail to live in the reality that God has put us into.
0: How can a leader
1: be a truth teller about their own personal struggles? Wisely. <laughs> talk about that. Okay. You know, I I think there's a, there's a little tendency. It started in the 90s with they. We, churches leaders started using the word authentic. They wanted to be authentic. And I got to tell you, I'm I'm old school enough that I think my pastors should be told people, not perfect, but told. Sure. I really don't want to hear all their problems. If I hear <laughs> about one of their problems once or twice a year, that's enough for me. I don't need, I I don't think they're perfect, but I don't think hanging out your dirty laundry is a healthy way to lead a church. I want Christian ministers in that sense to be successful as Christians, to be people who are copyable, imitatable, worthy of my following.
0: Mm. What will I experience when I tell the truth
1: about what I see? You can't predict this although a lot of people have good enough instincts and discernment to know that if they come forward with something, they may get resistance. So uh, you can expect that human beings do not always want to embrace the truth. So you can expect to learn to talk in ways that give people some safety, some freedom, and yet uh, tell that truth in a way that's firm and clear. I I think that this is a a really difficult one. And I think if we are really mature as Christians and as human beings, we don't go around bashing people for what we think they're doing wrong. Uh, Every now and then we have to say things strongly and you have to know the kind of person who can handle that. But I think by and large, we need to expect people to have some hesitations about truth. And we have to learn to listen to their hesitations to discern whether those are just deflections from admitting the truth or whether maybe we haven't perceived some things as well as we should have.
0: What if I'm scared to tell the truth about something because it could cost me my job, reputation, or even my relationships with family and friends?
1: Diane Langberg uh, so helpfully uh, told me not too long ago on a podcast that we have to be pretty healthy uh, as ourselves to be in a position to where we can talk to other people about truths that need to be said. So uh, I would say, make sure you know what you're getting into. And the second thing is, try as often as possible to have someone with you who can help you interpret what occurred in the conversation. And third, I think you should share it with a counselor or with people you trust that this is what you were able to do, this is what you did, this is how it responded, and get their feedback for your own growth and for the um, implementation of truth in our culture, church cultures.
0: If I'm the offender or cause of toxicity, how do I observe what you call a
1: real Yom Kippur? (laughs) A real day of atonement, huh? Mm -hmm. You know, the Bible has this day uh, in the old testament where every year israelites got together and confessed their sins and that That's something <laughs> the church calendar has implemented this in lent we have a lot of low church evangelical christians who don't practice this discipline and what i have discovered and this isn't a one-to-one correlation what i have discovered is the churches who don't have this discipline have the most difficulty in telling the truth about simple things that happen in the churches. Wow. We need this habit of Yom Kippur. We need to resurrect this in churches that don't have it, is every year, go through Lent. If you don't go through Lent, at least have a couple of services that where you learn to tell the truth about your sin and learn to confess. This is what truth-telling, this is what the gospel is all about is that we open our hearts before the Lord, we confess our sins, and the Lord forgives our sins. Well, you don't get forgiven if you don't tell your sins. Uh, So we need the habit of confessing our sins. I don't believe this means that people have to get up and tell all the dirty secrets of their life. I believe that it should be done wisely, circumspectly, appropriately. If it's private, you can go to a confessor now, confess it privately. If it's public, you probably need to go a little bit more public and, and talk about it.
0: I just want everybody to think for a minute about what Scott has so cogently explained here and laid out for us. I mean, we really want to have a church called Tove. We want our ministries to be a place where Tove exists, where goodness exists and flourishes. And the reality is, and Scott, I've been thinking a lot about this as I've read your book and thought about this— we all have toxic tendencies. We trend towards toxicity, unfortunately. I think the beauty of what Jesus offers in relationship with him is a way out of that, a way through it, a way into freedom, as you have so well put in the book, by telling the truth and recognizing it and experiencing a day of atonement. So if that's to you this season of Lent, we want you to know that God forgives you. He loves you. And more than anything, he wants you to know that you don't have to hold on to these deep, toxic areas of life. You can let them out. You can share them wisely, uh, as Scott has pointed out, to those around you. As we wrap it up, Scott, I want to just read something you wrote here. It's a pun. It's a pungent observation that you have made about telling the truth. And then I want to give you an opportunity to just respond. So telling the truth, this is what you write. Telling the truth is at the heart of the circle of Tove, But... Truth-telling is not instinctive in toxic cultures where false narratives proliferate. It must be developed. It must be developed. Friends, we got to develop it. In a church called Tov, truth-telling becomes a way of life. This is forward-moving. We have to keep moving toward it. A way of constant exposure to our Tov, God, you write, who reveals himself in Jesus Christ in God's grace the Holy Spirit opens us up to the truth. Scott, we got a lot of ministry leaders who are tired, burned out, perhaps even adapted to the culture that they're working in. And maybe that culture is teetering on toxicity. Can you leave us with a final word of encouragement? Can you remind us why truth telling is essential to a 12 culture and why it must be
1: priority? Healing can only come when we open ourselves up to the healer. Healing involves telling our truth to God. It involves telling our truth to ourselves, telling our truths, truths to the appropriate people who can help us out. My wife is a psychologist. One of her gifts is to get people simply to realize where they are in their own life. They realize who they are they come to terms with what they've done, what they've said, where they are, why they're struggling. It's helping people in that sense, find the truth about themselves. And we can't heal until this occurs. We can't form churches that are healing cultures until we're willing to tell the truth. And my word of encouragement is this, is that Jesus has his eyes on the wounded. He has his eyes on the people who are hurting. He has his eyes on the people who tell the truth because those are the people who can enjoy his grace, his forgiveness, his tove, his goodness, his light, his joy. Those things are not going to come to people who aren't willing to tell the truth, even about themselves. So... The way forward, the way into a TOE culture, the way into healing, is the way of truth telling.
0: Mm. Oh, that's beautiful, Scott. It's really beautiful. And I just want you to know, and I know you know this already, and, and I want Laura to pass this on to Laura. To uh, I, I really feel that you have told the truth in this book. I think mean, God has given you something to write, and uh, and you really you really were obedient with that, and you followed through. And I know. Uh, Thank you. I know I think a lot of people are going to be encouraged by it. So my friends, if you haven't already had this book, and hopefully it's in your Amazon cart right now, hopefully you've already bought it, I hope that this episode has at least stimulated some thought for you in regard to living well in your ministries it's been brought to you by smallgroups.com or ministry of christianity today we want to thank you for tuning into this episode and if you've been finding this podcast helpful for your ministry encouraging uh, would you share it with a colleague or a ministry partner just to continue to equip and empower others um, from great leaders like scott mcknight uh, if you want full access to smallgroups.com, please subscribe today. We have various plans to meet your budget. Uh, this will give you access to hundreds of Bible studies. Indeed, there's going to be some even on the topic of culture or health. And as we uh, we have plenty of training tools for your readers as well, such as a recent segment uh, written by my friend Bill Search, Ask the Expert. I also want to encourage you to get Dr. McKnight's latest book. This book we've been talking about, A Church Called Tove forming a goodness culture that resists abuses of power and promotes healing. I've personally found this book refreshingly honest and sharply accurate when it comes to forming culture in ministry. Until next time, my friends, God bless.